Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blue Wire Podcast. Welcome into a uh, Sunday crossover all eyes on Cleveland, the OBR film breakdown, joint collaboration crossover, uh, things I think I know edition of uh, our crossover. Uh, this is be the third one I think we've done, Jake, uh, crossover here with the things I think I know. People are enjoying it. Um, I've gotten some comments that uh, they like this edition of the show. I like this edition of the show. So uh, we're going to get talking, into Brad. the people. People are talking, are talking and that is always good. Yes. So um, we're going to get into uh, what are what we think we know tonight or, you know, it can be a thought theme, whatever. Uh, I'm going to start here tonight and just get things kicked off. First off, how are you, Jake? The great Jake Burns of uh, the OBR and the OBR <laughs> Film Breakdown is here with me. I'm I'm okay. I'm not great, you know. I'm I'm very average uh, at all this. I appreciate the the compliment. I'm um I'm good though. Busy weekend so far. Recording this on Saturday night, so you know, a little busy Saturday night. Had a wedding to attend. Weddings just as I get older, I just turned 34. Brad, they they just seem to get more exhausting as I get older. So uh, I know as I as I came into the Recording studio here to chat with you. You were falling asleep, and uh, yes, here we are, two old men talking about the Browns. Let's try to exactly. Let's try to get through this thing. <laughs> exactly, I, I am. Uh, I'm whooped. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's all right. We are. We are here, and uh, we're gonna provide some entertaining uh, talk here. Uh, so, I want to talk about talk about entertaining. I want to talk about center. Uh, on the offensive line for the Browns. So, like, uh, I had Nick Wilson on the show Thursday night. He was very good. And, uh, you know, we talked, uh, and he kind of brought me into this. I had just been operating kind of under the assumption a little bit um, in my free agency mock. I I just kind of added uh, Corey Levin for some depth uh, with Nick Harris and free agency, but I kind of been operating under the assumption that Nick, it's Nick Harris's job. I don't think they should spend the money on Pochick. Uh, I, I think that they could spend the money better elsewhere. And, uh, I think that like when I was preparing for the show, I was reading, you know, trying to find, you know, they never really, when he got hurt last year, they never really said, like exactly what was wrong with his knee. I can't find it anywhere. They just, it all says knee injury and he had surgery, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So not that that matters, but anyways, I found a quote from Bill Callahan talking, just raving about, about Nick Harris and the work he's done and that how disappointed he was for him because he felt he was so ready to have a a great year. And I just kind of uh, was under that assumption, too. Like, I felt good about Nick Harris going into last year. 
Um, I don't know why. I really don't have a reason why. Uh, just that from like what we had heard, uh, he was trending in a positive direction. He had changed his body a little. Uh, he had played that one game against Green Bay where he performed pretty well um, at center the year before. We're talking two years ago now. Um, but I just thought it was his job to lose this year. Like if he's healthy and he's good to go, it's Nick Harris's job. And I'm not worried about Pochick. And, and that's kind of my take on things. But I guess others feel other differently. Like maybe there needs to be, this should be a, a point of contention or a point of need. Uh, do you view center as a need? There's a lot of angles to look at this, in my opinion. So a, a need... No, I don't think a need is the right way to label it. I would say I'm I'm a I'm a tad concerned about Nick Harris just being ready to Health. go. Now, to your point, the severity of the injury we don't know because yeah, I mean you can tear an ACL, but some ACLs are different, right? You can tear a PCL with it. You can you can do more damage than it is just a clean ACL tear where that's the only issue. So we don't really know that. Nobody gave us that answer to your your point just a moment ago. So. Where it gets interesting is a couple of things, right? He did it in the second on the second play of the preseason, so there is a lot of time there for him to have had the surgery and rehab. So th as far as like maybe the only other element would be like tearing it on the first day or second day of training camp. Uh, that's the only other thing that it could have worked out timing wise. I mean, if you're going to have to have this issue, that's the only yeah. other timeline that would have been better, right? So uh, as far as time goes, great, but but again, it's it's not like a simulation where, you know, you tear an ACL, you got a nine, 10 month recovery and you're good to go. Like some guys don't come back as come now. ACLs have gotten better. I think there's more opinion on this, uh, at least struggling or differing opinion on feeling like yourself again with an Achilles, which is a bit more touchy, especially for offensive linemen. But, uh, you know, you just don't know, right? I think you're, you're again, point a minute ago about where he was, Last year, they put out some articles about him, about how he was changing his diet and bulking up, mm -hmm. but bulking up in a way that wasn't losing weight because he didn't really have much weight to lose. Everybody was very excited about Nick. Now, the thing with Nick, and this is I have a long winded answer here, but he's um, if you if you've paid attention to either what I've written or what some other smart people have written about him and how he anchors at the position, he's a hop guy. So what he does due to being undersized and not having as much mass as he needs uh, all the time to make things as simple for himself as he can, he uses a technique called the hop technique where he where he essentially takes the initial bull rush from an inside player and then gets two feet in the air, hops almost backwards and re-anchors. And it's stressful to the knee. So uh, anything lower body, it's stressful because you're putting a lot of torque on that part of your body to hop, re-anchor, hop, re-anchor. And it works for him. It's worked for him back to his to his Washington days. But the question is how well will it work with a restructured knee? Right? Like sure. that's fair to ask. So if Nick is healthy and right, I'm with you. I don't think you need to fret about that position at all. Right. You can do some different things. You can make um, Yodi Froholt, bring him back, have him be the reserve again. And like, don't worry about it. I don't want to create another need. The Browns certainly do not need to create other issues. And I don't, and another element of this thing is they don't have the money to just throw it center again. Like they don't have the money. Right. Let me put it this way. Um, they don't have the money to throw at what I think Ethan Postage should be demanding on the market, having capitalized. But I will, 
I don't want to give everything I have to say about this away right like immediately, but where do you stand on the development of these guys, Brad? Let me ask you that. Like the development of Dawson Deaton, where do you like like you mentioned it, but where do you think some of that sits? Well, he tore his ACL too, right? Uh, so uh, you know, I think they. I think they thought highly of him too, from what I read. So like, I feel good about the guys that they want to keep in the room. And I've talked about it last week with Bill Callahan. I'd like to see them develop these guys more like, and spend less money on these things and maybe bank on some of these guys coming through at some point. So Dawson Deaton is a guy that I don't think that you can, I think he's in the mix, right? Like, he should be considered in the mix here. I just don't know. I guess I'm second guessing myself uh, a little bit in this things. I think I know that uh, that I things I think I'm I don't know anymore. That uh, you know that. <laughs> well, we call that, it things we think we know, not things we know we know. That's the title. Yeah, right. Yeah, what like, you think you know. I think I knew. I think I know that it's that it's Harris's job, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Dawson, maybe they'd like Dawson Deaton to win the job. I don't know. Uh, maybe they, but I, one thing I don't want to see them do. And as I mentioned before, they were meeting with po- Pochick's uh, reps at the combine. I don't want to see them go pay him a bunch of money. Like they need to spend that money. Yeah. Why, why would there's you there's give already, postage $10 million? Like that, that too is like, much. Hey, we can pay money. Yeah. Yeah, we could pay Ethan Postage ten million, and that means we can't get a second defensive tackle we need, right? Or something along those lines. Like absolutely, you can only you got to understand they've paid, they've either invested a first ten pick worth of money, which they have, and Jedrick Wills, or paid everybody else. So my question to people who always want to do this: Hey, okay, so you want to go pay Ethan Postage big money? Why do you not trust the Browns to? identify and sign and develop like they just did right right nobody had two thoughts about ethan postage getting signed here when he signed with the browns no one cared he's just a backup center oh then they they signed him and he developed they did a good job of developing teaching the techniques they use now again i think the offense is going to evolve some but you're putting a center around a couple pretty good guards and it's like Okay, so you don't trust the Browns to either late draft a center type. Like, think about this: the Browns have been pretty good. At, at, at their, you can have questions about their tackle decisions a little bit here, but like Michael Dunn, um, Blake Hans, you know, Absolutely. look down the line here. Ethan Posich is one of them. Like, you're you're telling me that you don't trust them? This is a spot that they identify the best they identify on offense and develop is the interior of the offensive line. They took Absolutely. Wyatt Teller with Bill Callahan and developed him into a stud. Joel has taken his game to another level the past three years. And obviously what we saw with Treader was still high-level play, and we saw that with Postage. So you don't trust them to identify maybe an undervalued center on the market or an undervalued draft target at, say, pick 190 or 231, or even to your point a minute ago, Dawson Deaton, and develop him? So you want to spend $8 million to keep Postage around? Hey, who said that this is the Postage we're going to get forever? You don't know that. Right. He could have just had 10, 12 good games. And this version of him is going to come back down to earth. So this, 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 there's this demand that the Browns should go get postage. You don't want to like, okay, hey, how about you trust them to do what they've clearly shown they're pretty good at, which is develop interior offensive line guys at a pretty accelerated pace that they could get something from um, Drew Forbes or the like. Like they, they've proven they can do this. So this to me is like to your general first point that you think you know, 
I mean, Nick Harris is fine. If they can get him healthy and he's right and he's fine, I think they'll develop Dawson Deep when he gets back healthy and fine. He's, an, he's a great athlete. He tested really well. Like, he's a good athlete. They'll be fine. This is a spot that I just trust them to figure out. You can be nervous about a lot. D-tackle, wide receiver, some things that are there that are fair. Yeah. But you're worried about either paying postage or them developing a center. I think you're creating an unnecessary thought or uh, hole or, or whatever. So, like, that to me is – the people who have clamored to re-sign postage is like, why? They've shown you they can make a postage happen. Like, let them continue to do that. Yeah, I, I guess I should have listened to myself, you know, in on this one. In that last week, I wrote in in things I think I know that I want to see them spend less money on the offensive line and lean into Bill Callahan because he gives you an edge. Um, and, and yeah. let him. So, I, so I should have listened to myself there, right? Like, let Bill Callahan trust him to develop the guy here. Like, Corey Levin is a, is a cheap veteran guy that has decent PFF grades. If you want to bring him in uh, at, like, $2 million, sure, that's totally different than poaching. But to your point, uh, you think there maybe is some interesting guys to draft here, too, right? So Of course there um, are. There are, some, there are always going to be interior O-line guys who are there later on. And like, again, go back to when they signed Posich. How many people were saying, hey, this is your long-term center. Got him, right? <laughs> and it's not like Posich was Treader. <laughs> Treader was kind of hiding in Green Bay in play sight. He was very yep. much in plain sight hiding. He didn't play much. So that was a bit of an unknown. But with, with, with Posich, you'd seen him. He played. He'd been out there. So it's not like I saw anybody going, hey, man, Posich is the long-term answer. Just wait till they get a hold of him and fix this. I didn't hear anybody say that. Right. It's just, yeah. hey, he's a backup center. He's got experience at guard, play center. He's a good athlete coming out of college. Second round pick. Yeah, it's fine. Just have him be the backup center. Then he starts and he plays really, really well. And again, how about you just let him continue to do that? Identify undervalued O-linemen. I think Yodi Froholt is a fair name that fits there, too. Michael yep. Dunn, fair name that fits there, too. Hans, fair name that fits there, too, along these interiors. And... Uh, the interior, sorry, not plural, just the singular interior, and and continue to take advantage of what they have there. So I am not at all worried about that. I think they could draft a guy late, maybe that they want to keep developing and look down the line if they're going to know that you know in the next two years Teller's going to be done and, and maybe Batonio's a two year and retire and you want to do that, but you also don't want to put a guy on the bench for two years of his rookie deal. So you're walking a fine line of development yep. or not, right? So they they very well to me could go sign a veteran on the market. Uh, cheap again one year 1.2 or something like that uh, that you saw from postage you could see a similar type of deal and i will say okay i'm intrigued we'll see if he turns out to play as well as last year's backup center did but yeah i mean it's nick harris's job if the status quo was unchanged and he's healthy run with it right let's see what dawson deaton can do too i'm not gonna fret about a center like i'm just i'm just not people were giving way too much blame to yodi froholt when he was playing center last year and way too much credit to um, yeah. You know what? Whatever they thought Postage was was bringing there, just uh, you know, I, I mean, again, I, I just don't think we need to make this more than it is. Like, you can find a player better than Froholt, but not quite with the demand of what Postage should be demanding this year. Like, I, I just don't think that is all too hard. And if Nick Harris is Agreed. healthy, Nick Harris is quite all right for the job. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I would like to see him. I feel bad about the injury. I feel like he put the work in 
according to Callahan, right? Like they basically said he like like lived in Berea like that off season, right? Like bor- like no. knew it was his job. He was there, busted his ass. Like I would like to see him get the job and ex- and run with it because I think he can be a good center. Um, and two things but, are evolving. We'll you talked a, a lot, Brad, about Deshaun Watson's. Um, you know, input in all of this in his interview the other day. Yes. The biggest thing that he said was that the role of the center is something that he is not accustomed to. The identification of double teams, of Mike linebackers, of slide protection, like the center did all of that. Does that change with Deshaun telling them, I want to do that. That helps me get engaged pre-snap, so so on and so forth. So there's some moving parts there. That is something that I would certainly be asking the organization about when camp starts, when things get going. Or you could probably just watch a preseason game or two or watch the first game and listen to the sideline audio. You can hear who's doing those calls. Um, but again, as Deshaun noted that specifically, it feels like there could be a change there. So we'll see. Maybe they don't feel like they need a center who can do some of those things, or maybe that's something a plate they can item they can take off of Nick Harris's plate. So a lot of a lot of things to decide or figure out here for all of this. But yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you are at all, but like losing yeah. sleep over who's gonna be the center this year. I think no. it's like they'll figure it out, man. They got they figured it yeah. out before they'll continue to figure that role out. Yeah. Uh believe in Bill. Uh the last thing, yeah, to your point, and we talked about that interview. Um Stefanski and Barry both did a presser and then like a scrum. And then they went over to Cleveland Browns daily and did an interview with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And Stefan, they asked Stefanski, uh, Zagura asked Stefanski exactly that question. He brought up the interview with Deshaun and Quincy and asked him about the center stuff. Right. Um, and the, uh, control, and Stefanski said that he likes to take that stuff off their their plate, off their table. So it, it, it sounded to me like he wasn't going to move on that. Now, certainly there's a lot of, if Deshaun asks for it, I'm sure they will adjust. So I'm not claiming anything. But in an initial reaction where he was asked directly about it, he said he, said he liked to take that away from the quarterback and make it easier on them. But I think he's missing the point there. Yeah, he could, or they could have. They could. They, maybe this topic just never came up. Their relationship wasn't good enough yet. Deshaun they was just trying to, to learn the yeah. offense, fit in. He hasn't tried to fit out yet. You know, like take the yep. whole ownership role of everything, right? Maybe last year he just got here. I'm suspended. I'm trying to deal with what my suspension is going to look like. Too much on my plate. Let me just learn the offense. Now they get together this year. Maybe they haven't hashed that part of it out yet, and he just was talking about it. And Kevin maybe didn't even know that yet, right? Like, yeah. You don't know. Yep. So they'll they'll work through it. I'm not going to be concerned either way. If Kevin doesn't want him doing it and Deshaun, I, I just don't, you know, and I, this is not what you're saying at all, but like I feel like some people try to make this a sticking point. They'll they'll yeah. answer it together. They'll come up with an answer he, that works for everybody involved to, to do this. I would like to see the quarterback more involved. Like I, I really think that, in my opinion, people would ask me that question a lot, Brad. Like how much does the quarterback, what autonomy does he have to change plays and stuff? Like, I didn't hear much. They did cannon and uh, rewind calls when they wanted to jump from the first to second play and sometimes back to the original play. But like they didn't do a whole bunch of like quarterback and totally change the play. Now, as those two get more comfortable together, I would love to see that. What you want is 
eventually Deshaun to be an extension of the entire offense and especially his play caller, that he has faith in Deshaun to, to change and put them in the best play possible. Because if you're not, I think that like that's what a quarterback getting paid Deshaun's money, who has proven to be a pretty cerebral football mind, should be able to handle and they should be able to take advantage Very. of that. So I hope they yeah. get to that point. If they don't, that's a bit concerning because it's like, hey, I've already seen him do this. So why can't they yes. figure it out? But we don't know right now. The only evidence we have is these six games where Deshaun was just trying to figure out the NFL again, it felt like, more than anything else. So, yeah, next year when we get into this, we've talked about it, how we're judging the offense and the restructuring of the offense in a lot of ways. This is a part of the bullet points that we're grading, like is how comfortable does the quarterback look, feel, and all that stuff, right? So, yeah, man, it's a, it's a part of the grade sheet to me because – if he's doing yeah. these other things really, really well, and you're not giving him the opportunity to do it, my large question is why? And if you're going to say, I don't trust him, then I would say, why the hell did you trade for him? Like, what's, right. what's, why, why'd you make the deal? Why did you want to do all this stuff with him? Because coaches taking everything from the quarterback, I don't think is always the answer. I get it when no. you want to do that initially for a young guy to make life easier on him on the floor, but this isn't a young guy. This is an experienced guy who's played at a really high level in this league, and you should be able to allow him to have free reign over things he thinks they're in a bad play call, a bad situation, a bad snap count, whatever, whatever. He needs to be able to adjust those things. So I hopefully hear more uh, of that. Yeah. I understood it with with Baker, and I understood it with Jacoby to an extent, but I do not understand it with Deshaun. So I hope that would uh, I hope that would change a little bit, uh, unless Deshaun comes out and says I want nothing to do with it. But oh, based on what we heard from him the other day, I don't think that's the case. He does like that yeah. stuff. Keeps him engaged. I don't think that's the case the either. So. Yeah. yeah, and and he did. Yeah. I, I will say this: uh, he did say, Kevin, and, and we know. As to your point, they probably haven't even hashed any of this out. But he did say, regardless of whatever he said, regardless of whether it's the line and then the quarterback, whatever he said, uh, the trigger man is Deshaun, so he will always have veto power over anything. So, I love to hear so that. That's that's what he said. So. Anyways, uh, let's let's uh, take a quick break, come back, and find out what Jake thinks he knows. How about that? I'm fired I up. Nothing. I think I know nothing, but we'll talk. We'll have a talking point. All right. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. It's a joint collaboration between the OBR Film Breakdown, the great Jake Burns, myself, Brad Ward, and All Eyes on Cleveland, like we always do about this time. Um, it's Jake's turn to uh, get off his chest what he would uh, like to let us know here on our Things We Think We Know uh, episode of the show. It's all you, buddy. Yeah, the Combine's going on right now. A lot of... Uh a lot of fun stuff coming out over the weekend. Quarterbacks tested. We figured out just how freaky Anthony Richardson really is. We learned the tight end group's pretty athletic. A lot of different things. And a lot of people are having a lot of fun looking at what pick the Browns have and saying, hey, this guy at 42, take him at 42, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember exactly what number the pick was that they had last year, but everybody 
you know, when you only your first pick of a draft is either in the 30s or 40s, and they were in the 40s last year, I believe. You wanna you want it, you feel like we gotta get that player, right? We gotta get a guy at 42, the 42nd best player, air quotes, in the draft. Got a pick there. Can't go back. Well, they went back last year, right? They traded to Troy Hill to get more capital this year. Uh, they did some things to gain draft capital. Like, so when I look at this whole thing, and they go, there's two things that happen here. And again, I think they had an earlier second pick. I believe that's something in the 70s. I could be wrong. I am not looking at last year's draft, just refusing to do that. But I don't think they went as long last year between the first and second pick of the draft that they had. This year they go all the there's two reasons I'm gonna say what I think I know, which I think I know is I'm like 90% sure they're trading down in some capacity. Uh, I'm pr- I feel pretty confident in that. Unless there's a player at 42 that they are head over heels in love with that falls to them. It originally in my mind was like Nolan Smith. Well, Nolan Smith tested like out of this world. He's not going to be there at that spot. <laughs> yeah. So then it becomes like, okay, it's like BJ Ojolari from LSU. They'd have to be in love with a guy landing at 42, right? But I feel, and that's the 10%. Like I feel 90% positive that they don't want to do two things. They don't want to only have six picks in next year's draft. They want more. And they definitely need more picks inside the top 100 than picks 42 and 98. So I continue to look around. I see a team whose first pick is pick 64 in Denver. They have pick 64 and 65. <clears throat> and I look at that as a prime spot for them to potentially move up, go up, use those two picks to move up to 42. Maybe the Browns send back 126 or 111 with it and get mm-hmm. two, uh, go from two to three, right? I just think that there's going to be some trading down here out of 42 because that's your best spot. And again, you're, you made a good point. And I think you're going to make a good point in your next article that like this draft doesn't have a ton of highly first round graded players. So the mesh of players like 20 to 50 are pretty similar. Like they, you could have them be all over boards. So there's going to be demand for the 42nd pick. So it's just a matter of what they're able to do to capitalize on it. They certainly have like Glenn cook and some guys next year, uh, Catherine Rach, who could be people hired, and they could get the Browns some of those additional picks they like, right? Like that works yep. out really well, but there's no guarantee. So as I sit here, I, I talk about a lot of players, talk about a lot of scenarios. I'm more confident than I've been in a long time that they're trading down in some capacity um, just because they're trying to recreate picks lost next year, and the gap between picks 42 to 98 is a long gap that I think they would like to break up and come out of it with three top 100 picks instead of just two. So I think as we all do, hey, this player at 42, this player at 42, blah, blah, blah. I, I just, if I had to put money on it, someone said take this $100 and you can pick these 10 players or the 11th option is trade down, I would pick trade down. Like I, I really think that that is the route they're going to be going. It's going to piss people off because they hate it. <laughs> but they're trying to create a lot of things. They're in a three-year draft hole. Like this trade put them in a real weird spot for three years, right? And they're coming up on, you know, once they get through this draft, then they're just trying to figure out a way to get through the next one and before it gets back to normal. But like, I, I don't know. I, I cannot imagine them feeling like, okay, 42 and 98. That's, that's great. Like, I just think that they're going to be moving down a little bit for a team. And I'm trying to identify teams with two picks either – the two picks have to be very specific, right? They have to be yep. one pick behind pick 42 and also another pick in front of pick 98. So 
it's a little unique in that sense. But as we sit here, man, I think I would even take the think. Like I think I know the Browns are going to trade out of 42 and move down similar to what they did last year. Now, again, that takes two to tango. Someone's got to offer and maybe they don't get an offer. Maybe they're like sitting there praying, but they uh, don't get an offer that suits. But I do think in their minds they want to move down. Like that's I feel pretty confident in that. Yeah, uh, as I told you off air, I wrote about the same thing. I'm, I, I'm totally agree with you. Um, it'll it'll be in my actual things. I think I know article, but partially because as we're watching the combine and I'm listening and reading different things, there's a general overarching feeling that, like you said, kind of there's there's 20 guys or so with first round grades, right? And that from there, though, there's kind of a plateauing of talent from, like, what would be the late first round into, like, the middle of the third round. So, like, you're 75 to 80 players where there's not a huge difference between uh, what you get at 30 and what you get at 70, right? Like, I know that seems like a lot of picks, but it's like there's a lot of similar talent there that people are going to have different evaluations on. On their, you know, they're going to be all over people's boards. So when you have that, uh, that's the moment to trade back. That's when you should trade back because the way the Browns have to construct their roster, they need guys that can contribute on rookie deals for this to work for the next few years like it just has to and i think that with the way that this draft is appearing to from right now shape up or look like that they could if you can get two picks in the top 80 by trading back um i think you're looking at maybe having two guys that can contribute for your next four years uh, and and that get or your best shot at getting two guys that can contribute for your next four years, and that helps your construct roster construction massively. So I agree with you. I think that this is a, a prime berry spot to trade back and try to get two guys in that top eighty or three in the top one hundred, however you want to look at it. Yeah, I think I think people would. Um... You know, I understand that what a lot of what we're reading right now is the aggressiveness of Andrew Barry sticking out, and and maybe, you know, you don't think they can pass on a talent at forty two because they did last year, right? So they pass mm-hmm. on a talent at forty two, and they're not getting enough of that top end talent in a draft. Well, you know, they were able to find a top end talent, and 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 Martin Emerson. That if you go back and look at people, smart people who have redrafted that drafter putting him in the first round. So that's not yes. just because they picked him in the third round doesn't mean he didn't end up being a first round type producer uh, for them. So I think you got to be careful walking that line. Would I love for them to get a town at 42? I would. Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be a good player there at pick 42 in some form, but I also understand that you could probably get two decent players at 64 and 65. Like yep. I think you can do okay at that spot as well. So um you know, it's all relative, but I, I certainly understand that the nature of the franchise is a little bit different right now going into this year where it's there's a little external and internal pressure to win. If you if you're picking at 42, you feel like you can take a player there who is who is certainly going to be a guy who's going to chip into the winning effort. Um, you have a higher percentage of him being good because you're getting an earlier pick. Right. I get all that element to it. I certainly do. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to pay attention to whether they 
do move off 42 or not. Some things we'll know, some things we won't know. We don't know whether they just didn't get a good enough deal offer. Or, you know, there's just some things we don't really end up knowing. Find but like, out, yeah. I would, yeah, I would be careful saying that just because they traded out of 42 that they're not trying, you know, that they're giving up a talented, like they're giving up a chance to draft a talented player. They could have sat still and drafted John Mechie. And like, you know, we don't know what John Mechie is, right? You know, they could have gotten George yeah. Pickens and a couple other things could have gone there, you know, in a different direction at that spot. But like, I just am saying you, you don't really know the level of talent someone's going to bring to you. And you got to be careful outside of the top 15, even top 10, saying that's a sure thing, right? Pick 42 will automatically be a better player than pay, players selected at pick 62. You don't, you don't know that. And, um, Correct. Yeah. you know, I just, I just feel like they, they want to add, we'll see how free agency goes and, and free agency will probably give us a better understanding. Maybe they go through free agency and they just cannot sign any edge. They just can't sign another edge. And then maybe they're mm. strong armed into it, right? They've like, they got to take somebody at 42 who can, be a respectable rookie, right? They don't want that scenario. Nobody wants to be forced into that, but there's certainly some things that can that play themselves out. And hell, they might trade that pick away for a player. We never know, right? DeForest yep. Buckner or someone of the like, right? So um, I do think they want more guys inside the top 100. I certainly understand the thought process of under, like thinking we need to get a player at 42 because this is scenario is, you know, it's very much a win now scenario and we need, uh, certain talents to, to do that. You need certain pick spots to do that. But I just think you have to be careful, especially we got tricked. We get tricked, right? Where <laughs> it's funny because when your team doesn't pick in the first round, you, you essentially knock everything up around. That's kind of what happened with David Bell. Like they picked David Bell at the end of the third round, but because he was like the, the second pick they made in that draft, you felt like he was almost a second rounder, right? Like mm -hmm. he was way better than, because people are like, this is your first pick. That's like your first round guy. Well, understand where they took him and understand some of that goes into it. But I do think that you should also shy away from saying just because you're picking at 64 and 65 instead of 42 and 98 or whatever, or 42 and 111, and you, you go 64, 65 and 98, like I think you can still find really good players there. So I think there's a lot Agreed. we can learn from the draft about how aggressive they are, how close they think they are. Um, in terms of the the roster and everything, I continue to think that they want more picks inside the top 100. But if free agency doesn't shake out a certain way, I guess you could see them sitting still at 42 no matter what. But I think they're taking trade calls, man, and I think they want more guys inside the top 100 than they would have because you got to remember, I think this is the year they lost their own first and third. I think this is the year the third-round pick goes back to Houston from the Browns, too. The reason is, they have a third yeah. is that second uh, Quessy pick, right? Or am I right about that? You're right so. about that. Or it's the Troy Hill. I can't remember exactly. I'm sure I'll get somebody will message me tomorrow and tell me, but I just don't feel like looking it up in real time here. But that 98th pick isn't their original slot pick. This is the year they right. give up the third automatically. So, um, you know, just going to be interested to see how they recreate some of these things and like the balance between, hey, we need more picks inside the top 100 versus we really want to get a talent at pick 42 will be fascinating little dichotomy to watch. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And, and does um, the other scenario you mentioned and I wrote about as well, I, I said basically, I don't think they'll take a pick at 42. Either they'll trade back highly likely or they use it on a player or something like that, like a win now move, because something is like a, like you mentioned, like a DeForest Buckner would be really hard to pass up, right? Um, but 
uh, last year, just for reference, they traded back. So they ended up with 68, 78, and 99. Like, so that's kind of like you're talking very similar, right? So if you were trade back. So what did they give up? Pick 40 what? I don't know what they gave up. It doesn't say, but I know they went back to uh, 68. And then they had one. So it's a similar range. 68, 78, and then they had 99 already. So, uh, you know, I think they added a third in the trade back, right? So they got 68 and 78, 10 picks apart, where they went Emerson, Alex Wright, David Bell, Perion in the fourth. They had one at 108, too. So. Makes sense. So okay, it, and similar, interesting. It's going to be a similar range for him this year. Yeah. yeah I, very I think similar. if you can get a hungry Denver team with Sean Payton looking to move up to 42 for some guy they love or need, I think that spot screams to me the most logical one where, again, you're sending back 111 or you originally throw to them, we'll send you back 126 and 42 for 64 and 65. And then if they push back, you can maybe feel comfortable going up to your 111. But that spot makes a lot of sense to me, and they could use, uh, again, they could use three picks inside the top 100, uh, if you ask me. So, but again, a lot totally. can change. I think if you're, yeah, I think you made a good point there. Um, if we're saying the three options are they pick at 42, they trade out of 42 to move down to gather more picks, or they use 42 to go get a player for right now. Um, the use a pick to get a player for now and trade down are far outweighing me seeing the Browns just sitting at 42 and 98 and picking those spots. Yeah. Agreed. Where I'm going to get really uncomfortable is if like Hyatt or Downs is, is on the board at 42, right? Like that's where I'm going to get really uncomfortable because like if they, that's what we did last year, right? Like, I I know. Do you know know what I mean? And we were, we were mad. Now Mechie might still work out, but the Texans came up and took Mechie. And yeah. like he obviously had the uh, had a form of cancer this year that I think it's I think he's coming back next year I think he the yes. non Hodgkin's lymphoma I think is what he had um, yeah so he'll come back but we don't know about him but like you know sitting there people were kind of upset Sky Moore was still there yeah. but you know Pickens was still there and I understand Pickens came with some side carry stuff here but like really good in his rookie year so I think again though you you say well they got Emerson and he was really good I I get it yep. there's there's like half a dozen in one hand thing going on here right so yep uh, it's it's hard i think i think every time you trade down people get bummed and i and, and not to say it's not wrong like you know i'd rather have julio jones and phil taylor in the gang but like i get it yeah. so there's two sides to that coin um and, and you hope your guys get it right it's too early probably to say whether they got it right or wrong on that because emerson has turned out to be good you know pretty good yeah. player and uh, we'll see what happens with Alex Wright and the like, but like, um, yeah, I mean, like again, there should be some talented players on the board at forty-two. So, is there anyone there that they love? We'll see, man. We'll see. And again, who's to, who knows that they'll even have that pick when the draft gets here? Yeah, and to your point earlier, you know, a lot of this depends on free agency too, which is the other part part, part of my article this week is, you know, their strategy in free agency should be to plug it. I don't think they should spend any big money. I think they should use get spend as many little deals as you can to fill holes with good players. Um, mm-hmm. 
going into the draft. And I think that's Barry's general philosophy, right? Like, he doesn't want to have a need going into the draft so he can really take the best player available. So if they can do that successfully, you don't have to worry about wide receiver at 42, then it really feels like a trade back, right? It does. It does. We've hashed it out. I think we know where we sit. We'll hit on this probably again in the next two to three weeks after free agency shakes out one way or the other. But yeah, I mean, when you're giving up your first round pick and your third round pick in a draft, you're probably looking to get your second round pick as an anchor to get you some other picks. Like that's just, that's just common sense. Like, you know, like that's, that's to me makes the most sense um, in in any scenario where you don't have a first round pick, especially a team data driven team like the Browns who are just trying to find ways to recoup what they've lost uh, is a, is a means to keep churning the roster. So I think Jack Duffin made such a good point about, you know, why have the Browns done certain that, well, the depth of the roster when John Dorsey here, the bottom of it wasn't very good. So you're like, mm-hmm. well, why have they kept all of their picks? Well, because they don't, they didn't like the depth that was here. Now, as the depth gets better and better, and we do more of these free agent mocks and draft mocks where we're looking at guys who are on the bubble, a lot of picks are on the bubble, man. Like we liked some, some, yep. some spurts from Isaiah Thomas, for example, on the bubble. Mike Woods liked him in some very limited times last year on the bubble. So you're going to see the bottom of this thing get a little better. And from that means there's going to be some hard choices. So, um, which is good. You know, we'll see good. what that, uh, yeah, we'll see what that looks like. It's a good thing for sure. All right. Uh, any parting words for us, Jake, before we get out of here tonight? Well done, sir. I got, I got nothing. We hammered out these two topics really well. Hope you guys are enjoying these, uh, things we think we know we'll do these throughout the year and hell we might even do them on a different day during the regular season because there's always things we think we know it's fun to talk through different perspectives on it and see maybe we think we know something that we're wrong about right so uh fun fun topic thing here and if you ever have any requests for us to talk about something something maybe you think you know shoot us a dm shoot brad a dm on twitter me a dm or put it in the uh ask the insiders uh section there at, at the obr and we'll certainly yuck it up about that topic 100% I'll be on the lookout for any requests Uh, for Jake Burns of the OBR Film Breakdown I am Brad Ward of All Eyes on Cleveland thank you for listening we are out, go Browns go Browns